Welcome back to Three's a Crowd, everybody. Hope you all had a beautiful day, and I hope you enjoy this pod. Today, what are we getting into? We got a sports recap first up. Then we're going to get into the big debacle, the big the big crisis with FTX. Then we're going to talk about war with a question mark behind that. And then Ray's going to wrap it up with a hot take for us all. So uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Go ahead, Ray. Hey, if you guys are listening on YouTube, make sure you uh, follow, like, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. Leave a comment. If you're on Spotify, make sure you're following us on the Spotify as well. You know, just keep updated. I want to I want to point out that Andres almost lit his face on fire as he was lighting that cigar. <laughs> dude, I was about to say, did anybody see that flamethrower? It, it was terrible, dude. That was, that was, the flame was so high. My dude, God, I just filled the I just filled this thing with butane. And I guess I put a little too much juice in there. And I have to light a little more, so bear with me. Um, I also would like to point out that that beautiful intro that you watched. Yes, Nick made the music for that. Um, And those pictures are actually all real. Shout out to GarageBand. And yes, those pictures are all 100% real. Yeah, they're all real. Um, I particularly remember uh, when we served on the Supreme Court together. Um, that was amazing. That, that was a good time. Yeah, and also when when we were um, man, when we were JFK's security, you know, Secret Service, that was that was a tough day for all of us. But that was a tough I'm day. make a bold statement here. You guys are listening to three of the most accomplished individuals in U.S. history. Yeah. Look at the no, pictures. Yeah. the facts are there. I mean, We've never I mean, missed one thing. Yeah, for me, from the Constitutional Convention to crossing the Delaware with George Washington. You were there, man. The OJ trial. Shout out, shout out to Neutrogena. We we haven't aged a bit. <laughs> that picture that you see at the end there is actually uh, our class photo, our senior year of high school, um, and the three of us sat next to each other, and we were making an underbite for some reason. Like I can't remember why we were doing an underbite, but we were, and it, I think it, it calls for a great picture. It really does. I think that's going to be our new logo. I think I think we're going to transform that into the new the new pod the new pod logo. We meant nothing offensive by the underbite. Just want to throw that out. No, nothing. It's just, it's just, some people have an underbite. You know, Nico has an underbite. Your brother has an underbite. No, he has an overbite. No, he has one of the other. I don't know. Shout out Nico. Overbite, underbite, hammer toe, got it all. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'll tell you you about it. No, no, no. Hold on. Before your sister gets a shout out, I got to tell you guys about underbites. Uh, Janet Jackson's uh, dress had a real underbite when we were performing that night. And I was the only yeah. one in history to be on the stage while that happened on live television. And actually, it was from Super that performance. Exactly. It was from that performance that they made live TV not live anymore. Right. It was, I mm-hmm. believe it was a 14 second delay that was mandated yeah. after yeah. Janet Jackson's nip slip with me performing on the stage. Yeah. You know what? You learn, you live and you learn, man. You live, you live and you learn. You live and you learn. Fits. <laughs> all right uh let's get into the sports get into it the sports um this weekend i actually didn't watch much football solely because i was uh um i uh, was studying Loser. for the mpre yeah i was studying for the mpre multi-state professional responsibility exam which is uh it's for miles per hour yeah so or something like that uh, you have to take that exam before you sit for the bar exam before you can become a bar attorney. So I took that this, this past Monday, and um, we'll see. Hopefully it went pretty well. We'll get a little bit into study habits after the sports recap. 
Um, but uh, yeah, man. Sports recap. I watched the Finns game. Absolutely dominant performance. Dominant, man. Another episode Finn? with the Finns up. Oh, you got me doing goodness. it now. You got me doing it now. Tyreek, Tyreek, Tyreek. Oh my goodness, dude! It was it was nice. Jeff Wilson Jr. Awesome. Tyreek Jeff, Jeff Wilson, Wilson Jr. Fantasy. Think, Let's go. I think I think Jeff Wilson is the is the clear number one running back in Miami now, right? I mean, he runs. With, they both look runs, great though. Yeah, I mean, but he no, runs a great the ball duo. with such. He runs the ball with such like downhill aggression, dude. Like he is he is going hard every time he touches the ball. He has great hands, like. Like next to what was this guy's name? Oh my, I can't even. Uh, Edward, uh, the guy that we sent to the Broncos, Chase Edmonds. Oh my God, Chase Edmonds had brick for hands. Bricks. Oh dude, this guy's hands like it is a crazy upgrade. He might as well be a receiver. Like he was catching balls that he had no business catching. But really happy to see the Dolphins play well. Defense didn't look terrible except for that first drive when the Browns on, on the kickoff. The Browns brought to like the fifty. And um, uh, they scored in that first drive, and but you know, for the most part, we were able to contain Nick Chubb. I was I was pretty happy about that, just because of how how great of a runner he is. Um, offense was firing on all on all calibers, dude. Like we were, we looked really solid. Um, I think that there's potential for you know debate of Tua being the MVP of the league. I really do. He's, hey, he's plus been... seven hundred odds right now. If you are a sports better, I think that's a decent place to toss some money. Yeah, hey. Put your bets up, man. I mean, he is really playing football at a high level right now, and um, I love watching it. I really love watching it. We have a bye, Dolphins have a bye week this week. Uh, after we come back, we play the Texans and then San Fran. Um, Texans should be an easy win. San Fran should be interesting just because that's the system that Mike McDaniel came out of. San um, Fran so should be interesting. This should be interesting, yeah. But right now, as the playoff picture stands, Four out of the seven teams that would be making the playoffs as of week 10 are in the AFC East. Dolphins have the... Kind of like the Marlins. It's nuts, dude. The Dolphins have the two seed, which is mind-blowing. I am am elated about that, man. Clearly a Dolphins fan talking right here. It's been been a minute, hasn't it? I mean, in, in our lifetimes, we have not seen a playoff win. Think about that. Zero think about, playoff wins. Think about how huge a playoff win would be. Is that true? No, since it's true. 1990, not, since 1998, we have not had a playoff win. Last, jeez, it's worse than I thought it was. It's the first thing that pops up. Two thousand. Oh, pretty close. Well, pretty close. Pretty close. I was, bo- two I year, was born in '99. Two-year-old two me didn't give a. Bleep about the Dolphins. I yeah, I was, I was, I was born ninety nine, so that's my lifetime. Screw you guys. Um, but yeah, man, it's crazy. I have never witnessed a Dolphin playoff win. I think that we have a really good chance this year. I'm really, really excited. Uh, the Bills game, absolutely nuts, dude. Absolutely. Nuts. Shout out like, my boy Jay Jettas. first I mean, overall fantasy pick for your boy. Absolute I mean, catch I mean, of the like, year. If you didn't see, I that. caught. I caught the end of that game just because, you know, I was studying and it was, we know it was insane watching the end of that game. Vikings were charging down the field, charging down the field. They don't get it on fourth, fourth and goal, um, which actually after the fact, you look at how many players the bills had on the, on the field and they had 12 players. They had 12, they stopped the fourth and fourth and goal with 12 players on it. It's a fourth of turnover on like the half yard line. Ref and, had uh 
Bill's money line. Yeah, that Bill's money line. And they go ahead, and, and Josh Allen, really all Josh Allen has to do is snap the ball. He could have even gone to safety, and they could have punted it. It would have been fine. But no, yeah, man. The, the reason they didn't do the safety, at least from what they were saying, was it made it a three-point game. Right. So yeah, I mean, it allowed fine. them to march up the field. I, okay, but yeah, anything is better than, than the Vikings scoring in that moment. <laughs> I mean, is better than who would have thought? Who would have thought they would have fumbled that QB sneak like that? Like I that know was, it's crazy, crazy. And they, they ran, the they ran, they ran a play that they were okay with a safety happening. They just yeah. didn't want to give up the safety. Absolute worst case scenario happens. Gave a touchdown. Dude, Josh Allen's zero and four in I, overtime games. If I recall correctly, that game ended with Josh Allen throwing an end zone interception, right? Yep. Dude, in overtime. Okay, obviously interception, you don't want that to happen. But, dude, he threw that ball so hard. Like, how hard do you think he would throw a baseball? No, I know he. I know how hard he throws a football, and it's ridiculous. He could definitely he threw, be in the upper He could 90s. throw a football, like, what, maybe in the upper 50s, maybe 60s, 60 he miles an like, hour? He throws like 59, dude, <sighs> a football. It's an absolute yeah. missile. He'd throw, he'd throw a baseball. Dude, he, you, he's 0-4 he's to start his career in overtime. Yeah, zero and four in overtime. It's it's it's. it's uh, I like that stat just just because when we go over there at Buffalo, I'm expecting a competitive game, and I'd like to be in overtime. And if we don't have to go overtime, obviously that's great. But I think overtime games are really exciting and thrilling. And we'd be in overtime. I, I I'll try to do a backflip. I'll try. I'll, I'll record it for you guys. Guys, your, there will be a live. We we're, we'll be on Instagram live, YouTube live, Twitch, filming Ray's backflip. By the way, so just don't forget about this moment. Just a, just a little a little uh, medical background on Ray Dorda here without getting too personal. Ray's got like 16 broken discs in his back, so a backflip would be pretty close to a miracle. And it's for you guys. It's all for you. He's really going to his, risk his life. <laughs> all for the viewers. Risk the, uh, one, yeah. the one healthy disc. <laughs> the, the one disc I have left is gone. Um, yeah, man, that was, that was, I mean, that's all I could really offer for a sports recap is like I said, studying or yeah, we know whatever. Um, I'd like to move on to a more serious topic and that's the university of Virginia shooting. Um, just so sad, man. So, so, Very so sad. Three, three kids, man, just young, you know, ready, ready to prove themselves in the world. Just killed by a, a former, a former uh, teammate, Christopher Darnell Jones. I mean, for no reason, just senseless, just senseless. Deshaun Perry, Devin Chandler, and Lavelle Davis Jr. and the three guys that, that got killed. Um, what's, what's the? I don't know, like. What's the reasoning or motive? What's the motive behind I, it? I I haven't read anything about a motive yet. I really haven't. I think. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't read. I haven't heard anything about a motive. I think. There must have been some kind of argument or something. They were coming back from a field trip at like a theater, I think, and, and they were in a parking garage and and yeah, this this kid, this Darnell Jones guy, just went and, and shot them. And I, I don't know. One one of the guys that he shot is also in critical condition. He's I think he's going to a second surgery. Um, you know, it, it's because it was two people that got away, right, with injuries. It's weird then, because when when you see stuff like this, like you really often don't have a connection to it anyway, and like it, it doesn't really, you know, like you you can't really relate to it. But one of my former teammates in high school was cousins with with one of the the guys that perished. Um, so it's it's incredibly sad to see that go down, and 
I I actually played against him in in high school. One of the kids that that passed, and um, I think oftentimes you know it's easy to think about how remote things like this are, and then when there is that connection, you know, it becomes a lot more real. And you're like, wow, like I can't believe someone basically my age just just died. And, and you think about everything they're not going to be able to experience, and it's incredibly sad. I mean, I feel terrible for my former teammate. Prayers out to him. Um, yeah, man. You know, sports. I think I think playing sports, you come across a lot of people um, that you you forget about. You know what I mean? And then something like this happens, and it just brings you back. It, it's crazy. It's it's really nuts. So, a lot has changed in the last, you know, 10, 20, 50, 100 years. But it seems like when, at least in our lifetimes, and probably even our parents' lifetimes, when they were younger and when we were younger, you wouldn't hear about pretty, like, crazy things like this on the news as frequently as you do now. Now. My question to you guys is, do you think it's, and my question to the viewer, do you think it's that the news is trying to monetize every story they can and try to just cover as much as possible? And since technology has grown, they have more ways of knowing what is happening everywhere? Or do you think that there might be some type of like, maybe a rise in, you know, like mental illnesses or maybe just I guess if you want to include like anger and, you know, extreme rage as a mental illness, do you think there could be a rise in that? Or do you think it's just broader news coverage that these, why we keep hearing about these crazy things? I think, I think it's a combination of factors. I think number one, access to guns is, is it's never been like this before. I think that you could get a gun pretty much if you're any, like at any given point, you could get a gun, whether it's legal or not, you could go and pick up a gun. Um, I think you don't think people, you don't think there was the same access to guns 40 50 years ago? I don't think I don't think that there was an I think obsession if, over I, I think if anything the laws on, on on being able to get a gun were more lenient back then because there was oh there was and I mean everywhere across the board there was less background I checks. Think, I don't think I don't think people were as obsessed with gun culture as they are now. You know what I mean? Like I saw this video of these kids in Chicago and they were in a high school basketball game. Bro, and these kids are 15, 16 years old, and every single one of them had a Glock on them, like a full Glock. Did you see that like video, a, Nick? Like a, yeah, uh, it's, no, it's I haven't crazy. seen the video. It's yeah. insane. Like, like 20 round mags on them. Like one of them had a, a duffel bag just like with 20 guns in them for no reason. Just though, a high school but, basketball but, game. Okay, but, but here we have, to be, we have to be clear here. We're talking about illegal access to guns with people like kids. I'm just talking, this about, age, I'm just talking about access. This, I'm just talking age. about access to guns in general. I'm, in general, legal or illegal. Access to guns in general. Like I, I think, I think if you really want to go get a gun, you can, and like, there's really nothing stopping you. Um, I but, also yeah, think but that, I, but I also want to, I want to chime in. I want to chime in on Nick's um, thing, um, just because I think it is a combination of both the media having the resources and ability to cover more stories than they ever could. Um, and I do think there's definitely a rise in mental illness overall. Um, I think just the obsession we have with our phones and social media and idolizing a lot of these extremely unrealistic lifestyles and living situations, um, has just caused people to be a lot easier, a lot more easily discouraged, um, when it comes to just basic things like fitting in or 
being parts of certain groups. And I think people have, I think, I feel like almost people's fuses have gotten much shorter. People are snapping much easier and going to much more drastic um, ways to cope with that. And I think that's an issue that's coming and stemming from our obsession with our phones and social media and fitting in and being part of what you deem to be like cool or like an, what you like kind of what you want to be. Um, so I think it's a little bit of both, but at the end of the day, it's just an extremely unfortunate situation and just hope that we see much less of this down the road and we do whatever we need and whatever it takes to continue to help people like this person and to try and avoid these mass tragedies. I think, I think also people have like, like you said, like they have just like nowadays, just a much shorter fuse. You know what I mean? Like they have, they have a gun, there's a conflict. They're going to pull out and shoot someone. And I, like, I don't think that's, I don't think it's been like that previously. I also think that people are just thinking more recklessly these days. Like people just aren't thinking things out at all. You know what I mean? Like there are certain situations we have a friend that, that got a gun pulled in recently for no reason. You know what I mean? Just because, just because like, like, and the, these people aren't thinking about the consequences of, of their actions at all. Like this person, this person that in, from the Virginia killed three people. That's a triple homicide, dude. He shot two others. Like a triple homicide. This person, this guy's going to face life in prison. I don't know if Virginia has a death penalty or not, but if they do, they're hell going to consider it. Dude, like killing three people is such a big deal. And like, yeah, while, while the media covers stories like this, I think it's to emphasize how, how crazy it is that people are out here doing this. You know what I mean? I think when media picks up any kind of story about violence, I think it's to emphasize that number one, there's a danger out there to be aware of it. Like this type of stuff is happening and to show you that it's still happening and to show you that, I don't know, people, people really just, it, it blows my mind. People just don't think things through. Like people are just not meticulous thinkers and they, they, they don't see the consequences to their actions. Like if you're going to be a criminal, be a good criminal. I mean, don't, don't be a, don't be That's a advice one. from Ray Dora to be a good criminal. Like, don't, uh, I just, I'm, not, I, I'm not a lawyer. I just want to say <laughs> something on what Ray just said as well, that those double edged sword of the media wanting to show it to you because it's important for you to be updated on what's going on. But it sucks that it has to have almost like a positive and negative effect. Not really positive is the right word for it, but like, obviously educating and showing people what's going on is important because you should be up to date. But I feel like you're also showing people that probably shouldn't hear about that story that somebody did that who might've been on the edge and be like, all right, if yeah. he did it, I can do it too, which kind of sucks because there's no way around that. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not in the media industry. I don't know what ways that should be covered, but I think it's, um, yeah, I mean, there's no way around that's, that. That's, that's the biggest problem, just copycats. You know what I mean? Like, like someone that goes and shoots up a school, someone that was thinking about it and has access to a gun. Now, now they're like, oh, so and so did it. I, I, I could probably do it too. Like, like that's obviously the, the grossest part about media coverage like this is that it's it causes copycats and people that are on the edge. It's also gross that they're profiting off of it. They're profiting off of off of this twenty year old, nineteen year old, twenty two year old that died. You know what I mean? And like they're just making money off it, and they don't feel bad. They're they're covering the news because that's what they're that's what they get paid to do. It's not because they yeah, don't feel bad. You know, it's you know, a sad fact. I feel like it's almost in a way, like it's kind of a weird way to think about it. But in a way, I think it's like 
peer pressure of some sort. And why I say that is there's a kid, I don't want to go into details, but a kid that we knew, all three of us, I, I played uh, sports with him since I was like 10 years old. And he was pretty much talking crap, someone else kind of, kind of like threats back and forth with someone on social media. And he ended up, he ended up getting killed by this person who he was kind of jabbing at back and forth on social media. And I think when you make it public in that way, where there's, you have your followers that see it and their followers see it and people start talking about it back and forth. It's kind of like, like that peer pressure in a way where someone is more inclined to make a move and to do something. And like you said on this, that they're, they're short tempered and, and they have a short fuse in there. They're just ready to do something. And I think, you know, that's the, that's the unfortunate part of the, of social media, of, of other people kind of seeing what's going on between the lines, because then someone's more volatile and more like, I don't know, more willing to act quickly or act without thinking, like you said, Ray. So absolutely. Dude, it's just, yeah. it's just the fact that they don't see number one, how their actions affect people and the consequences to their actions. It, it, it gets, it's, it's a pretty amazing. Like, I, I don't know. I, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of examples I go into that I'm not going to just cause there's no need, but I mean, like you ruin your life over something as simple as an argument or you ruin your life as over something as simple as a shiny object. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, there's no, yeah. I mean, and how does that end? It doesn't end. It just continues to cycle. Um, before we move on well, to the next topic. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say, I was going to, I was going to do a nice little, nice little transition. Cause I got something up here. Yeah. So pretty much we're moving on from uh, what people consider blue collar crime to white collar crime for our next topic. Mm, all right. All right. I love that. F FTX. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great transition right there. eh? Set the platform. So the next topic in the tech slash business side of the conversation is what, of course, I'm, heard, I'm sure a bunch of you guys have heard this FTX debacle, implosion, explosion, whatever you want to call it. For those of you that don't know, FTX was a crypto trading platform, um, one of the top three biggest ones at that. And it was run by somebody named Sam Bankman-Fried. Most people know him by SBF, who was a young billionaire living in the Bahamas who started the platform FTX. And... FTX was not some gimmicky platform. It had billions of dollars in transactions, massive names attached to it, like Tom Brady, Giselle, Kevin O'Leary, the MLB, the NBA, um, Matt Damon, and there's who was the other one? The the, um, the Heat the Heat Arena was named the FTX Arena, Miami Heat. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and Larry David. Larry David was also I absolutely love Larry David. Um, right, mute your mic if you're gonna, yeah. Um, shout out Curb, shout out Larry David. Commercial actually ended up being absolutely hilarious because Larry was doubting FTX and it ended up blowing up in their face. But still, nonetheless, for those of you that don't know, FTX is in the process of filing for bankruptcy after being worth $32 billion as of last week. Um, 
the situation kind of unraveled on Twitter, of course. Um, and it was, so just the background story for it, the biggest crypto platform out right now is Binance. Um, and that's ran by someone named CZ. And CZ was actually an early investor in FTX when it started because he liked SBF and he thought he was smart and wanted to fund his venture. Uh, fast forward two years, FTX was pushing um, on Binance's heels as one of the biggest crypto platforms. So CZ, as a smart person, was like, hey, I no longer want to be an investor. You're a competitor now. I'd like to exit and sell my shares. Uh, last year, October 2021, I believe FTX raised a $900 million round, $800 million round. I don't know the exact number at a valuation of a little bit more than $16 billion, I believe. And that's when CZ used the opportunity to exit um, his shares. And he received a little bit north of a billion dollars in FTT, which is FTX's native token um, that backs FTX. And then the other in USDC. Um, I don't know if it's USDC or one of the other stable coins, the other billion or a little more than a billion. Um, and all was fine. Binance moved on, FTX moved on. Fast forward to a few weeks ago, info came out that SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried from FTX, was lobbying behind the backs of other crypto exchanges, um, donating, to a lot, yeah, donating to a lot of governors, senators, and rubbing a bunch of people's backs, trying to push regulations that worked for them. Um, News came out that this was happening, and of course, CZ was very upset, seeing as this was being done behind the industry's back. And according to people in the industry, the terms were not very favorable for the crypto community. It was very corporate, and that's not what crypto is really about. Um, so CZ tweeted that he was going to liquidate his FTT shares, which were north of $400 million in FTT token, which is a lot of money for one token. Um, people absolutely started panicking. I believe FTX had over a billion dollars in liquidation of FTT in the next couple of hours after that tweet. Um, the token tanked from about $22 down to $6 or $5, which is insane. And FTX had a venture firm called Almedia Capital or Almedia, I don't know how to pronounce it. It was SBF's venture firm, which was backing FTX. And they came out and tweeted, hey, Binance, please, we'll be happy to buy all of your FTT at $22. Um, just don't unload it. They did not have the funds to do that. And once CZ saw that, he liquidated and the price of the token just absolutely tanked. Like we were talking about down to the mid fours and high threes. FTX was not one-to-one -one on this token like they claimed to be. So they did not have the cash to continue to pay out these liquidations. When that happened, they had to pause withdrawals and start to seek emergency financing because they were completely insolvent and over levered. CZ then agreed to buy 
FTX as a big strategic move for Binance. The next day, they went in and within a few hours or even less of looking at the books, they tweeted that they will not be proceeding with the buying of FTX, which absolutely ensued panic across the crypto industry. And we're talking, coffin. Yeah, we're talking about one of the top three biggest exchanges literally going under within 24 hours. And once that happened, everything started coming out. It came out that that venture fund, Almedia Capital, that Sam was running, made a bunch of risky bets and went under. And he used $10 billion of FTX um, investors' money. People that were just holding crypto and FTX, he leveraged their money to go give Almedia $10 billion to bail them out, which is commingling of funds and fraud. Once that came out, he immediately now is a wanted man. He he has committed fraud and the SEC and everybody is investigating his whole organization. Then it started coming out that where was all this money coming from? Why was he making these crazy huge purchases? He signed, I think I have it here. He signed a, he started signing sports deals. He signed a, the MLB deal for the umpires is not priced, but it's north of a hundred million. His deal with a um, esports TSM was two hundred ten million. He signed a deal with the Miami Heat Stadium, which is local to us, one hundred thirty-five million. And people people were starting to wonder where all this money was coming from. Then he committed three billion dollars to Elon Musk to help him purchase Twitter. Elon Musk called JP Morgan and said, is this guy liquid? And they said, no, and he didn't accept the money. Then more people were starting to say, what the hell is going on? And now it's just a complete rat hole. The books were completely cooked. They were over leveraged on all of their investments. They're saying that they were, they're saying that the capital and media capital was buying the coins and upselling it to members. And that's how they were turning all this insane amounts of money. So there's a ton of stuff. And I thought something that was hilarious that I think should have been a red flag to people more was uh, Chamath Papadadia or Papadadia. Who knows how to pronounce that guy's last name? Early Facebook guy, venture capital investor. He had a meeting with Sam Bankman-Fried about investing a few months ago. And he looked over and said, all right, this is a little fishy, but we'll send you some things that we need if we're interested in investing. And he said, you should form a board, very normal at every company. You should start to bring on other people and add more board seats. You should have some governance in these certain areas, extremely basic things that you should have at a billion dollar company. Somebody from FTX called him back and told him, quote unquote, go fuck yourself and hung up the phone. Like literally told him (laughs) to go fuck himself and hung up the phone. And now it's like, it's blown up in everybody's face. Sequoia, one of the biggest venture firms, just tweeted their letter to their um, LPs, their lending providers, the people with the big money, that they just marked down their $412 million investment in FTX to zero. Um, They didn't have a board? They never had a board of directors? No, dude, it, 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 it... 
as more unravels, it literally looks like such a scam. It's insane. People were just getting behind him because he was a really smart guy and people could tell that he was intellectually intelligent and came off as a very successful, like running a solid company. And there was zero due diligence done. People really just sent it and it blew up in everybody's face. He must have had this Sam. He must have had some pretty high power people at high levels to get him the right connections and, and push him where he needs to go for the company to grow like that. Because like, well, like you just mentioned, uh, Chamath, he's a, he's a good businessman. He's a successful businessman. And there's a lot of successful businessmen that know how to do the proper due diligence, just like him. And they chose not to invest in his company for obvious reasons. But there was a lot of things that slipped under the cracks. And to me, that was kind of the who you know, not what you know scenario that maybe he was able to, you know, get some get some favors done for him. Because for a company with and, you know, I never I, I actually I never uh, invested on the FTX platform. Um, and, you know, but I know a lot of people that did. And so for a company with this many holes in it to get to such a high level in such a short amount of time, it's a little, it's a little fishy. So I think, I think maybe, you know, I think a lot is going to come out of this and to, to, to add on to your point of the fraud and, and, and everything that, that uh, he's accused of uh, that he, that he committed over $600 million was mysteriously liquidated from his platform. And he said it was a hacker, a hacker. I don't know about I, I that. Guarantee I don't know you, about I guarantee, you, I guarantee you he gets indicted. He's, he's oh. going to get indicted on wire fraud, and he's, he's going yeah. go, to go to federal he's prison. He's done. Maybe. He's going to jail. And something else that I want to throw out is he was in the top 0.1% of Democratic donors. And when you look through, he might have been, I think he donated north of $60 million by himself to the Democratic Party in the last 12 months. And that stems and goes back to the lobbying he was trying to do behind everybody's back. He was doing a bunch of crazy things in California. He's not a California resident. And like, again, I heard this listening to the All In podcast, which is where I heard about Chamath's interview with him. He was lobbying in California to significantly raise the upper 0.1% of California's tax bracket and to make them pay more taxes. And he doesn't live in California, but that's what the government and the people in California want to do. And people were like, dude, who is this guy? Like, why is he bothering us? Like, why is he doing this? And it's because he was trying to stroke checks and scratch necks and get some, and get some love from senators and things like that because he was trying to do all this shady shit behind closed doors. And I heard something insane, which I need to do more research on, but they were even saying that there was some insane like wash cycle of money to the government from him, government money to Ukraine, money back to him when they were raising all of this crypto and all of these funds for Ukraine early on. I don't want to, don't quote me on that. It's just loose articles that I've seen like titles for, but if that's true too, bro, that's insane. That's something like that is going on. Um, so 
I definitely encourage you guys to educate yourself some more to read into this. This is crazy. This is going to be one of the biggest bankruptcies in world history. I mean, this is billions of dollars that will be lost, this is, not returned. This is this is Enron, which is the the big company that they also uh, the biggest similarity was that they both had a stadium named after them. So this is Enron. Enron Jr., but really, this is bigger than Enron because their their market cap was was much more. Uh, this Theranos, is Enron, dude. Yes, yeah, no, yeah. Theranos. But this is this is this is a repeat of that. And uh, you know, you know yeah. about Theranos on the news? Yeah, dude, it's it's hilarious. Is that, isn't that that company? That was that company that was just lying about all the research they were doing, just, right? Just completely lied, like they're yeah. <laughs> Yes, dude, dude, again, back to a Chamath situation where I was listening. They called him and said, hey, do you want to invest? Tons of people are investing in us. And he said, eh, I mean, let me look into the company like a good investor should do. And then out of the blue, he was at a party or he got a phone call from a friend. I forget which one it was. And the guy was like, hey, I'm interviewing for the C- CE, um, not CEO, CFO position at Theranos. They want me to come in. He goes, you know what? Go interview for it and let me know what's going on. I just had a meeting with them the other day. They interviewed the C, a potential CFO of the company in the lobby. And he said, I would love to see like the back. I want to see like how it's, how everybody's working. I want to see what's going on. And they're like, no, 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 it's good. Yeah. And Shamath was like, all right, that's not an option. And then look Red what flag. happens to it. It's, it's just insane. Like some people... There's so much money going around, so much just cash being tossed left and right that sometimes people don't give a shit. And like this Sequoia fund, they wrote down this $412 million loss. And it's like, oh my God, they're such idiots. They're not doing due diligence. And that's because they're making so much effing money that it doesn't matter. That They literally wrote in the letter, hey, we lost $412 million. We're really sorry, but don't worry. This fund has returned $8 billion in profits in the last seven years. So we're good. I think in, in a sense they need to say that because they should feel silly. They should feel embarrassed for not doing their due diligence and just kind of getting in on the hype train. And I was going to say one more indicator that, you know, things are really bad, which is not educational at all, not a well-informed way of knowing, but it's a modern-day way of knowing. The memes going around about FDX are hilarious. There's a meme that I saw today that said something like 660 million is gone and the most tracked flight from America is the flight that Sam is getting on to Argentina. No no extradition in Argentina. <laughs> Dude, yeah, they're saying a bunch of because his whole legal team quit last week. A bunch of the people that were part of the higher up people on that team are all leaving the country to places with no extradition. It's going to be an absolute implosion. And like, we haven't even seen the, we haven't even scratched the surface on the amount of exposure people have to this. Because again, when it's something of this mass scale, we're talking billions and billions of dollars. There's a lot of really big people involved that we haven't even heard yet. And we might not hear because that's kind of how it goes, but we'll, we'll get some, we'll get some bait tossed out. We're going to hear some people whose shits exploded because 
at the end of the day, when we're talking about that much money, there's not that many people to talk about. There's not that many people with that much money. So there's going to be some names that get thrown around and we're, we're going to start to hear some crazy stuff and we're going to do our part. You guys do your part too. do your own research, look it up, stay in tune with the story because when it's something of this mass scale, we don't know if stuff's going to start to not come out or they're going to start to remove stuff because again, we don't know who's involved in all this. We don't know how high up this issue really goes. And it's not like, Oh, it wouldn't be people that high up. Like something like this would happen. Like they wouldn't have let this happen. This was an absolute worst case scenario. They never had Binance liquidating their whole position on Twitter to their millions of followers in the playbook. That was never an option. That was not going to happen. And they got caught with their hands down their pants. There's no other way to think about it. They were out there playing with the money because they didn't think they were going to need it and they needed it and it was not there. Guys, leave in the comments if you think Nancy Pelosi was involved. Thank you. <laughs> I saw I saw a tweet that that what's this guy's name? The Sam is his name? Yeah. Sam Bankman-Fried, SBF. I, I heard I heard that he uh was like a free uh, this, this may be completely false. I don't I don't know, but I thought it was so funny. I saw that he was like frequently using meth and like in engaging in orgies with people that were smoking meth together. <laughs> I don't wow, know. I have, I have not heard that, but that is, I mean, that, I mean, that, that, would, that would be, that'd be incredible. Like, like, like that would, I saw a tweet that was like, this man was smoking meth and having orgies and y'all knew about it and didn't see a red flag. <laughs> That's insane. There's also, and also cause he has a discord and like FTX has like a discord community. I believe her. people have him on discord in some communities <laughs> and he's been playing league of legends all weekend. Like it shows that he's active, <laughs> just playing video games all day. Like, and he has like no assets. Like he has this $40 million Bahamas penthouse that him and the team were living in. Uh, but he may have a, he may have a little 600 and something million in assets as well from the, from the hack. So you never know. Yeah, that's a good point. You never know, but Whatever. Un absolutely unfortunate situation. You hate to see something like this. And it, it's, it's a really big hit for cryptocurrency because when you break it down, it really doesn't have to do too much with the fundamentals of Bitcoin and Ethereum and those big cryptocurrencies that do have some merit and the software that they have is going to be something that I think will stick around. But SBF is getting painted with the same paintbrush as those guys at the moment. And they're taking the hit for one guy just being a not good person and using all of these loopholes. So really unfortunate for all the people in crypto that have just been getting hammered by all of this. And I do see light at the end of the tunnel for certain coins that have the stability and that have the software and merit that are going to continue to push forward. But I think the winter is here and it's still going to get colder because we haven't, again, like I said, scratched the surface on this story. And I do not doubt that we will see some household names go to zero that we don't know that we don't know yet. Um, we definitely know of them, but I think it's going to be interesting. So it's, it's definitely an insane story. Hate to see something like this happen. People losing tons of money. Um, but Kevin O'Leary, sadly, who 
was a FTX spokesperson and actually had an interview like three weeks ago where he said if there was any place that he knows he could be safe, it would be an FTX. Wow, did that backfire on him? But he said he made one statement early on about a year ago, and he said, we know when we're at the bottom of the recession, when we see a household name go to zero. And I don't know if that just happened and we just watched it, but I think it's definitely something to know. You know, the last thing I want to add is that I think this could be good long term for the crypto community because it shows that the crypto community as a whole has a pretty good sense of, of, of keeping people accountable. Like FTX went from, like you said, close to you know, almost 40 billion in market cap to zero in the blink of an eye. So if you fuck up, you're going to pay. And that's kind of, I think that's the message that the crypto community delivered with, with FTX just imploding. So things need to be done, you know, accordingly for crypto to work. And I think in a way that's a good thing because that means that there's order within, within the crypto market and crypto community. So, you know, I think, I think this is a, this is a bullish long-term sign and, and uh, you know, I think cryptos, I think crypto is going to be here to stay. Obviously this is a very ugly time, but you know, I think, I think we'll see good things going forward. Unless, yeah. What are you drinking, dude? Is that a Coke in a, is that a Coke in a, a cocktail glass? What is that? No, of course not, bro. I'm a classy guy drinking some red wine after a long day. Red wine in the cocktail glass? The, yeah, boy's, just, trying to, just, the boy's trying to live longer. Yeah, I just felt like the other glasses, like, I feel like I would look like a snob. Like if I had some, like, fancy wine glass and I was over here <laughs> sipping, like, like, who the hell am I? Yeah, who the hell am I? So I was trying to be low-key, but you just fucking pulled the covers off. Bro, he doesn't. He doesn't have any more wine glasses, Ray. He threw them at the wall when he lost all of his investment in FTX. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Guys, Everything's I had, gone. I had, I had millions in FTX, so that boat. That, that boat. If I can get through it, if I can get through it, you can get through it. My house is that up for boat sale. Behind you, yeah, that boat behind you is about to get repossessed tomorrow morning. Yeah, for sale. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Let's pass Fuck it over FTX. to Nick. Yeah, fuck FTX. Coinbase, I would say, is the farthest ahead just because they, in, they're in the U.S., they file in the U.S., they're a publicly traded company, their books get audited by a big four accounting agency. Um, so if you want to be safe, I would say they Coinbase. Have, they have a board of directors. Yeah, they're an actual company. So if you want to get into crypto, if you never were into crypto, or you want to get back into crypto now that – you realize you have to be pretty picky on where you put your money. I would say Coinbase is going to be your safest bet going forward. All right. Well, I want to take us away. Take us away to the the war world. I'm going to take us even deeper into the darkness. We went from blue collar crime to white collar crime to uh, war. Maybe. Yeah. Allowed crime. That's allowed. So it was, it was today, right? Today's when it happened. Today we're what is it today the fifteenth of of uh, of sixteenth no, or just turned the sixteenth. Yeah. It just turned the sixteenth. It's, it's past midnight here, but it's twelve o'clock at night. We're out here the, grinding. All right, grinding. On the fifteenth of November, two uh, Polish people were killed by a bomb that detonated. That was a Russian-made bomb 
They know how the news allegedly, works. Allegedly. There's been a few things. It's been a missile. It's been a bomb. There, it's been scrap metal from a shot down plane. Two people died in a, Poland. It's a legend. Yeah, due to the war. What, I, what, I, what, what I was reading from all these articles on Google, which, could, you know, you know how it goes. It could, could, could change tomorrow. But they're saying that it was, there was some sort of explosion that occurred. And the device that exploded, they're saying, was confirmed Russian-made. They're not saying, they're not confirming or denying whether it was an attack from Russia, but they're confirming that it was Russian-made. And this, uh, regardless of, of, of what it was or what it wasn't, this is a big problem. This is a very big problem. And if we're trying to avoid a World War III, this is the opposite of what you want to happen. <laughs> so we're 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 going we're going to we're going to you know tougher waters here, and I want to see what what do you what do you guys think? What do you guys think will come of this situation? I know we've barely heard you know anything at this point, but I want to see what you guys think. Um. So let me just give some background here. I am a political scientist, according to the uh, Florida National University. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's right. Big science guy. <laughs> Big political science guy. Yeah. Most most useless degree, but you know what? Now in this conversation, it, it has some merit. Um, no, but NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, um, is you know are it's it's like the main protective, pretty much against war. I think uh, solely because. Um, Article 5 of NATO, uh, which is collective self-defense, basically says that any member of NATO, if you attack them, you're essentially attacking every member of NATO. So while that has good and bad, while that has good and bad effects, um, the good is obviously deterrent from anyone fucking with anyone that's in NATO. The bad is that there needs to be some kind of response. You know what I mean? Um, and I just saw a couple articles saying that you know, Joe Biden recently said it wasn't Russian. I mean, even if it was, I don't think he would say it solely because he knows the implications of Article 5 of NATO and what would have to be done if it was. Um, but the Polish definitely seem to think that it, it was from Russia. Um, the U.S. has maintained that it's not Russian. Um, but I think that if it is confirmed Russian, I think that there's going to be a serious fucking problem. <laughs> I think, I think, I think it's going to be a serious problem. Um, I don't want to say that there's going to be a world war three just because, I mean, I can't see there being another war that wouldn't completely destroy the economy and infrastructure and just living of every country on the European front. Um, but, um, I, I, I don't know, man. I think that, there's this concept called uh, nuclear deterrence in the sense that uh, there hasn't been another nuke dropped solely because everyone knows that if you drop another nuke, it's going to cause it out, an outright nuclear war. And people, you know, nuking up is enough deterrence not to do anything crazy. You know what I mean? So, like, for example, um, Germany getting, I don't think Germany can actually have nukes. That's a bad example. France, for example, getting access to nukes is enough deterrence for a different country not to fuck with France. You know what I mean? That's that's the concept of nuclear deterrence, and it's it's stood pretty strong since since Hiroshima. Um, and I mean, there was it was a clear example that nuclear wars would be detrimental to the entire world. I mean, 
there won't be there won't be a world after nuclear war, right? So I like to think that I'm I could, praying. So, not to cut you off, but I could I could tell you here from from what the news from what the news is saying, um, which again could be true, could be false, whatever. What they're saying is that it's confirmed that this uh, they're calling it a missile. They're calling it a missile. This missile was Russian made. That's they're confirming that. They're not confirming whether it was fired from from Russia, from Russia or not. So, right. you know, so, I, mean, I would Russian say made, Russian fact, made doesn't mean it is Russian, though. You know what I mean? That's right, it doesn't. But uh, the fact that it's Russian made, that's we're, we're we're halfway there. At least you could say we're halfway no, there. I mean, it, it, Russian could be, made. it could it it could have been Russian made in the sense that. You know, yeah, they could have sold it to to another country. Aren't, it could have been Ukraine yeah, that had possible. access to it. That missile misfired went to the border. You know, it being Russian made, I don't think is a problem. The fact that if it was sent from Russia, that is a different issue, and that is a that is a major problem that I think would invoke Article Five of of NATO, um, which would invoke a World War Three, right? I, dude, I I'd, I'd like to think that there wouldn't be a World War Three just because it would just be catastrophic. Like, I don't, I don't think that I, I don't think it's feasible for the 30 member States to go into war against Russia. I think Russia would be backed by China. So I don't think in North Korea. So I don't think it'd be feasible for 30 countries and but, Russia, but, but under China the, under North Korea, I, I don't, under the agreement of NATO, the, the, the countries involved in NATO would have to take some pretty, extreme action some, some protective action yeah some protective actions and i feel like if they invoke article you know, if, five if they invoke Ar- article five maybe initially that doesn't uh you know involve uh, a huge attack of some sort but i feel like there would be really really high demands of sorts uh for, for to russia from nato and from the way putin has seemed He's pretty relentless, um, which could be not Indeed. true, but that's that's the way it seems. It seems like things wouldn't go over smoothly, and that's 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 my that's my take on it. Well, well, Putin Putin's going to relentlessly deny that it's Russian, right? Like, like because he knows. Yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess it's possible. He, he knows like he knows what's going to happen if 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 it, if it's found to be Russian or if Russia takes the blame. He knows what the consequences of that are, so he's going to relentlessly deny it. Yeah, I mean, last little thing for me. I I really hope that it wasn't Russian because I don't think this needs to escalate any further than it already has. And we were actually on the verge of Ukraine agreeing and being willing to look into ending this and us cutting off the endless aid that we were providing, um, which was a little bit excessive. And... Putin is definitely backed into a corner at the moment. The, the The war efforts on his end were definitely not going the way that he had planned. And it's scary to think, but you have somebody who's older, not 100% healthy, has no successor in mind and no one pushing to take over his position. It's definitely in his cards to just be a baby about it and push buttons that he doesn't need to push. So I'm in the camp that things need to be resolved as quickly as possible. If this was a actual attack from Russia on a NATO territory, 
I hope that NATO acts swiftly and tries to do this with the least amount of friction as possible and gets things resolved. But I think that things definitely need to change. And it was a big mistake on Russia's end if they did do this because they just brought unwarranted issues to their to their court without any real need for it. So I hope, I hope this isn't the case. I hope it, it, it turns around and there's an issue that we don't know about or something that wasn't reported correctly. Um, not reported correctly, but that just Intel wasn't passed through correctly and this is resolved. And I hope that the war in Ukraine and all of these situations going on over there get resolved as well, because it's not necessary. People are losing their lives, their homes and things like that. So I hope we can push forward and continue on that path that we started to head towards of ending this, creating an agreement and moving forward. So the secretary of defense, Lloyd Austin, the third, he tweeted, I spoke today with Polish deputy prime minister. Dude, honestly, I don't want to say his name. I don't want to, I don't want to try saying the prime minister's name. What's your dude's name, bro? Come on. Ah, uh, Marizis Blazak. <laughs> Blazak. I don't know. I don't want to. It's, it looks like Balsack. I'm not going to lie to you. It looks like, it looks like Balsack. Um, but anyways, he spoke with the prime minister on the missile strike, and he assured him of U.S. resolve to defend Poland and NATO. So I don't know what that looks like, but um, I could imagine sanctions getting much tougher on Russia, trying to cripple their economy further. I could imagine pretty much every European country pulling out of exports or imports into Russia or out of Russia. Um, I could, I don't know. I, I really, I really hope it doesn't escalate into some kind of armed conflict um, only because I don't think that we can handle it. I mean, obviously we're the U S we could handle, but I don't think that it could like just the world can handle something like that right now. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think it's, it's okay f- for us to go ahead and, I mean, obviously we have obligations under NATO. Like if we have to do, we have to fucking do it. Fuck it. Who cares? But I don't know. I don't want it to escalate to the point where, you know, we're another cold war. You know what I mean? Cold war. We weren't alive for the cold war, dude, but like that was a scary era for a lot of people. Like people would come home from school and be like, are the Russians going to drop the nukes today? Like, like at what point are we going to get decimated by a nuke? Like no one, it was just constant uncertainty. So I, I, I really just want to avoid a whole conflict like that. Maybe we could just cripple their economy. Maybe we could send out seal team six or something. I don't know. I, I just, dude, dude, but, I don't want to, I don't want to, but that's the crazy thing is foreign affairs. If we cripple Russia, we severely cripple the rest of Europe because Russia can, if we punish Russia, Russia can finance, you know, if we financially punish Russia, Russia can financially punish the rest of Europe because of, because of how much power they have, uh, in, you know, I guess the European economy. economy, Right. Right. So it's, it's extremely dependent on Russian oil and electricity and natural resources. So it's, it's, it's tough. tough Any way you look at it, Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't know how much they can do outside of, 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 you know, trying to sanction them, but I don't know, dude. I really hope it's not Russian. I really hope that they don't have to invoke Article 5. If they do have to invoke Article 5, they're going to feel the wrath of NATO, and it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. Dude, this is one clip. 
This is one clip from this general. Oh my god, bro. It gets, it gets me so hyped up, man. It gets me so hyped. He's uh <laughs> he's talking to I think he's getting some kind of medal or some kind of promotion. And he's talking to the, the people that are there. And so he's like, and to my enemies. Oh my my series just turned on. Dude. They're dude. They're listening to you, bro. My Siri just turned on. Um, yeah, it gets me so hyped, dude. So he's like, he's talking. He's like, into my enemies. You, uh, you don't want war with the United States. Uh, but if war is what you, but if war is what you seek, there's one thing I can promise you. So help me God, someone else will raise your sons and daughters. Bro, it is such a hard video. It is such a hard video. I love that video. That's an intense yeah, man. That's a, that's a that's a great that's a great way to end the topic and, and then, transition and, and, over. And then a bald eagle food. Yeah, yeah. All um, right, Ray, yeah. round us off with your hot take here. We're at about an hour. Yeah. Um. So I got the, I got the hot take. Oh, hold on. We move. Iran, Russia, China, North Korea. ISIS, Al-Qaeda, they may be watching this right now. Our military should not be mistaken for a cable news gabfest show. We don't care what you look like. We don't care who you voted for, who you worship, what you worship, who you love. It doesn't matter if your dad left you millions when he died or if he knew who your father was. We have been honed into a machine of lethal moving parts that you would be wise to avoid if you know what's good for you. We will not be intimidated. We will not back down. We've seen war. We don't want war. But if you want war with the United States of America, there's one thing I could promise you, so help me God. Someone else will raise your sons and daughters. Oh my God, dude! I could run through a big wall right now. Oh my USA, USA, USA! Oh my God, dude! That guy, that guy's wow, got to be a, a, that guy. That guy's got to be a beast in the interrogation room. What a video! What a video! Oh my God! Oh, Ray's gone. Yeah, that was. That's a. That's a that's a hard, that's a battle hardened man right there. Those are those are words, those are words that come from a <laughs> from a battle hardened man right there. That's what okay. I'm talking about. America, my 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 uh, my blood pressure has to be like skyrocketing right now. My heart's beating real fast. Oh, anyways, hot take time. Send us home. Um. Yeah, that's right. Um, my hot take is that I work closely with the name, image, and likeness uh, format for a year and a half plus now. Um, and, you know, originally it was supposed to be a really good thing for college athletes because they do, they previously. Nobody, 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 and I, yeah, nobody that's an knows NIL deal for other people because I've never heard NIL. of what it actually meant. That's an NIL deal for college so, athletes. A name, image, and likeness deal is uh, NIL. Okay, explain it's that. The, the ability for a college athlete to get paid for their name, image, and likeness because previously they were not able to get paid for it. And 
Oh, I'm going to burp. Excuse me. Um, previously, they weren't able to profit off of their name, image, and likeness, which is which is really fucked up if you think about it. Like, like if there was a picture of you, Andres, of your face, and I was selling it, and I was like, "Nah, you can't make any profit off this, man. I I, I own your rights. Like, I like you're not making a cent off this. It's it's really messed up. Like they they would you know, college football is a billion dollar industry. They make a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. You know, it's it's the biggest from for pretty much every school. It's the biggest sports program." Brings in a lot of money to every school. Um, so before July of 2021, they weren't college athletes weren't allowed to um, make any money off an image like this. Right. Let so me just throw something in here. The University of Texas in 2019 made 44.1 million dollars in football ticket revenue alone. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, it, it's insane. This is sense that's for insane. some people wondering why kids were upset that. They were out that's there insane. putting their life on the line and, and for the I, school no, to make forty plus million a year, and that's not even including what the what the university makes on the sports games, on the on the video games that they make with with college. Oh, no, I mean not, not only that, Nick. Think, think about think about streaming rights. Think about when they're televised. Like it's it's yeah. all, there's, there's it's, they're bringing it's, hundred plus player. million a year. They're bringing hundred plus million a year. That was forty four million off just ticket rev. They're bringing in, in hundred. They're bringing in a hundred plus million a year when it comes to concessions, ticket revenue, uh, jerseys, memorabilia, streaming rights. It's it's disgusting. Yeah. So so previously, these guys weren't able to make any money before twenty nine before twenty twenty the summer of twenty twenty, um, and you know it it was really supposed to be a positive thing. Like these guys were supposed to. Um, finally earn some kind of have some kind of ability to you know get paid for what they do with the, the, the kind of profit that they bring in um and after working closely with nil for over a year and a half i can tell you that's not the case it's just not um it's it's turned into a, a whole system it's it's really i think it's really taking down the, the whole integrity of the game is what it's what's really done you know the idea behind nil was going to be commercials you know t-shirts jerseys stuff like that you know what i mean and really what it's turned into now has just been boosters collectives coming together putting in mass funds and pretty much just paying to play recruiting so my hot take is that nil is not good for the college football the current way that it is it needs to be regulated it needs to be fixed but right now these kids in college even high school are making ninety thousand dollars a year off of boosters like not even off of commercials you know what i mean like the way it was the, like, like i said the way it was envisioned was commercials t-shirts jerseys gonna, autographs stuff like that i'm gonna i'm gonna cut in and i'm gonna rip off some statistics here about nil yeah so the top nil it's a billion, earner, it's a billion dollar industry already okay says who is that what it says I mean, I just don't see how it could add up to that, but I'm going to read some statistics. The top NIL earner in history is Alabama Crimson Tide quarterback Bryce Young. He earned $3.2 million from his NIL deals. So he's, so he's top. He's number one. Now, there's a bunch of Division One players, and this is not, you know, NIL doesn't just uh, apply to football. It's, it's, it's all... It's all sports. It's all sports. Yeah. Right. And so 
there's a bunch of Division One players that, I mean, football is probably where the where the money is, right? But there's other sports where there's players that earn nothing, that don't get approached. Um, but what it's saying here is that the average uh, amount of money that a college athlete can earn from an NIL deal uh, over his over his or her uh, you know uh, career in college is a thousand to ten thousand dollars. That's what they're saying. The average is completely um, false. Right, right. That, because is that, most, is, that, is, that, is that encompassing all sports? Is that, is that the average of all sports? Broad, broadly speaking, college athletes. That's what they're saying. And yes. The other sports are heavily weighing that down. They're including you're muted. You're muted. Yeah, if they're including all the sports, that, that's heavily weighing that number down because all the sports, I mean, there's lots of sports that have zero dollars, which would be taking that number way down. I mean, think about think about how much how much uh, colleges make from their sports before NIL even start, like before NIL was even a thing. It's football is always number one, and in certain colleges they could make a little bit of money off of baseball. But typically I think it's football, basketball, and then, you know, baseball in, in, in a very select, maybe a couple handfuls of, of, of colleges where they make good money off of baseball. And then from there, it's kind of just not, not, not too existent. So it, it, it's an entertainment thing. NIL is an entertainment-based uh, monetary system, which is how a lot of things work. In America, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying NIL is a bad thing. I'm saying that the way it is right now is it's not sustainable. It's not. It's not. I've been. You're saying. Important. You're saying. You're. You're saying like on the fact that like Alabama, UCLA, Georgia, Clemson, and Michigan are top five schools, and UCLA. I just throw them in there. Let's use the other four top four teams every other year. They have more revenue, bigger boosters, so they're able to attract more talent because you're bound to get paid more money at these schools. Yes, yes, absolutely, and that that takes away from what NIL was. Like these kids, these kids are going to come in out of high school with an NIL deal in their hand. It's it's it, recruiting is going to come down to what school can give you the best NIL deal. University of Miami right now is is practicing that at an extremely high level, an extremely yeah. high level. They are recruiting kids that would not be considering University of Miami otherwise unless these boosters were throwing money in their face. Like I, I can't go into details, but I know of Yeah. Of certain of certain deals where you know They're getting the bag. Kids, what? They're, they're getting, getting the bag. bag. They're getting the bag. They're getting the bag. They're getting they're getting over six figures or not over six figures, but six figures for As a, yeah. for really no service that's being provided. There's there's no real service being provided. It's just Putting a face to a company, getting paid six figures, stay here until you go to the NFL. At the, like the brand of the day, brand recognition. At the end of the day, when there's money involved, which is the case here with these NIL deals, it's always in the best interest of the people putting the capital up. So it's becoming a very capitalist-like environment where a massive booster at the University of Miami has watched the team suck for multiple years, it's in his best interest to start shelling out money because he's probably making money off the team getting more people in the stadium. These boosters oh, are not just random people. So 
Yeah, it I mean, does. Kind I mean, of, think about it. it. Texas, Texas A&M had their best recruiting class ever, ever this past offseason. Is there any possible coincidence that it wasn't because of NIL? Absolutely not. Absolutely yeah, I mean, not. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough it has because to be regulated. It has to be regulated. It needs to be more sustainable. I mean, it's not sustainable, dude. It's going to get to a point where these kids are going to make a million dollars coming out of high school. Like that's just not. I mean, how 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 can how can any team that's not a, a Big Ten team or a, a, a powerhouse team compete with that? You can't. Are you ready? With that like there won't be a fair shake. There will not be a fair shake. Texas A and M athletes combined for over four million in NIL deals in the twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two school year. Yeah, I mean, look. At the end of the day, these big schools have a ton of money, and like I just read you, one school in Texas that's doing over a hundred million a year, so they do have the money to shell out. And I think that the top programs will continue to be the top programs. Which, at the end of the day, they were the top programs before the money as well. I think they still will remain the top programs. I'm happy that these kids are getting paid and getting recognition for what they're doing because they are playing an extremely competitive and hard sport, and they're they are. Football specifically, like you are putting your life on the line every time you gear up. Like there's multiple times and instances where people get extremely hurt. So I'm happy that they're getting the bag. And I think that you're right. There should be some regulation, but I don't think that it's, I think now we're seeing a dramatic effect because it's so new, but I think it really will level out because at the end of the day, all of these major schools that you see successful anyways are successful because of the amount of money they had because when you go on a recruiting trip and you walk into a $25 million locker room, you might commit there versus the other school that had a $5 million locker room and amenities and things like that. So NIL is obviously bringing a different perspective to it because there's actual money on the name of that player. But I still think at the core part of recruiting, it's going to stay relatively the same. The big money programs are going to continue to push for the big money recruits and it's going to continue the same way it already was. This, the guys are just getting paid, which I think is great. So I could see where it would be frustrating. And I, I think when everything, there should be some regulations. It should never be a straight up free for all. But I do think that we're moving in a positive direction with this because these programs were going to be good anyways. You might as well get these kids paid if they're working their asses off and putting in the time and becoming these elite athletes. It's not like they're getting paid for nothing. But, but Ray, to your point, I see exactly what you're saying. And I think I could relate NIL perfectly to what just happened the past year in MLB. You have your most recognizable names, your most, you know, your most popular players who are some of the best. Um, They're getting paid 30 times more than someone who's on the same team as them. And they're not playing 30 times better. Their stats aren't 30 times better. They're just getting paid 30 times more because they're, their names are more recognized, and that seems to be exactly what's happening with what's happening with the NIL deal. And you know, uh, is it is it perfectly fair, even fair? Not at all. Um, but that's you know, and that like you said on the desk, that seems to be the way that capitalism works, and that seems to be what's going on. Um, I know what you're saying that that you know more regulations need to be implemented i just i just don't see how i just don't see how well, no i mean you could you could easily regulate it 
You could easily. But why would easily why make, would it, why would they make a cap? That would I think that would be a no, long way. No, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be a cap. I think a cap would be would be unconstitutional. I don't. I don't think yeah. you can make a cap as as to how okay. much someone can make. I think that you need to limit the type of people that they can come in. Like there could like there should be no part of recruiting should be nil. Like at all, like like you shouldn't be able like out of high school, you shouldn't be able to talk to to anyone that that will give you an opportunity to give you money to go to their school. Like at all, like you shouldn't be able to talk to a booster until after you commit, which is obviously really hard to enforce. But I think every school needs to have an nil, so kind of nil enforcement person at that school, like each division. But that that won't change much. No, but no, but at least it looks like they're trying. There was already so many loopholes. Kids were already getting paid before this in certain ways. So right, I'm saying. I mean, they were they were always getting uh, kickbacks and allowances. They were always getting monthly allowances, but like that was legal, and it wasn't like twenty thousand dollars or anything. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying is that you should not be able to talk to a booster before you sign to a school. You should not be able to talk to a booster when you enter the transfer portal. You should not be able to talk to a booster in between the time that. Like, like, yeah, obviously during, like, while you're at that school is okay, but before and while you're entering the transfer portal, you should not be able to talk to any boosters at all. And, yeah, I get it's a business, dude, but it ruins the integrity of the game. It ruins the recruiting that, that matters. And the teams that are good are only going to get better, and the teams that have money are going to win. And that's just, that's just a fact. And, I mean, I don't, I don't know. And I think, I think that what you can do is that you could make the restrictions on what kind of deals that you can do more, more stringent. I think that you could say – Hey, if you're going to do a deal, like there needs to be some kind of continuous deal, or it needs to be some kind of. Can you hear me? I see yeah, yeah, of course. Dude. What the hell? Um, yeah, I mean, I get, yeah, I get what I, you're I saying. I, 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 I don't think that there should be limitless opportunities. Is what I'm saying. I don't know if you could just sign to a company. That's a, that's company. a little, that's a little anti-capitalistic, in my opinion, though. And that's why it's a difficult. It's it's situation. it's not it's not. It's not when it's being regulated by the NCAA though, and the NCAA is still profiting off of it. I think I it's. Mean, I think. Thing, look, I think. I think at the end of the day, because we're we're coming up on time here, I think it's going to be a thin line that they're going to have to walk across, and they. I'm sure they will do a good job and begin to regulate it. I do hope these kids continue to earn this money. They deserve it. They're earning it. I hope that it becomes, like you said, a little bit more regulated because at the end of the day, you want competition across the board. And they know that they need the competition because that's how they're going to get more consistent games and viewership and things like that. Um, and then one thing just to leave us at this topic that is applicable across anything that we kind of breezed over, your brand reputation and who you are is your biggest asset and you should never forget that. And that's, that plays in every single thing you do in life, in your professional life, your personal life, your online life, whatever life that you live have a good brand have a good reputation and always consider that your biggest asset because it's going to open the most doors for you but yeah we're we're, we're, we're almost at we're almost at an hour and 20 minutes so okay let uh, me let me say one last thing and i always supposed to be a good thing it's very exciting these guys are getting the money they deserve however it's it's recently turned into if i don't get a free car it's not good enough and uh that's that's what I'll leave it at. That's just our personal experience. That's off of what the, the work that I've done. Um, that's all I got for you guys. Not not a bad hot take. You guys you guys were giving me shit about the hot take before that podcast, bro. No one wants to talk about NIL. Yeah, all right, all right. Dude, 
Once you become a lawyer, we'll see where what what direction NIL goes. Ray's gonna Ray's gonna be the change. Ray's gonna impact NIL in a positive way. Yeah. All right. We'll see. Um, with that, we will wrap things up. Thank you guys for listening. Episode three. Many many more to come. Like Ray said early on. Like, follow, subscribe. We're on everywhere you can view your platforms. Where you get your I mean, not platforms. Where you get your podcast. If you want to watch on YouTube, we're on YouTube. The whole video's out. Um, and we'll see you guys next week. Please, guys, leave us, leave us feedback. Let us know what you think about our intro. Let us know what you think about the pod, topics. We love all, any and all feedback. Thank yeah, you. Right back to everything. Let us, yeah, I'm, I'm coming back at you guys on TikTok. Leave, leave a dumbass comment. I'm going to come back on you. All right. See you guys.